question we looked at last week, and then we learned uh, last week from God's Word, from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul tells us that we are his ambassadors, that as believers, as Christians, that's who we are. This home is not, or this place is not our home. We are from a different country. We're from a different place. As born-again believers, God has remade us. He has made us new, and every new creature has new purposes, and so we represent now the king from a different kingdom, right? We are his ambassadors, and we are here to represent the king of kings, the Lord of Lords, that's who we are. We represent the high, you and I are the, the highest ranking diplomat representing God from his kingdom here on earth. That's who we are. That's what we looked at. Now here this morning, I want to look at that question again. Uh, and before we do that though, everybody just say this with me. Would you just say, I'm an ambassador? I'm an ambassador. Say it again. I'm an ambassador. That's good, because that's who you are. We learned that last week. If you weren't here, you missed it. You can catch it on the web later. Uh, Today, we want to look at that question again. Who do you think you are? Because until you know who you are, what? You won't know what to do, right? Okay? Until you know who you are, you won't know what to do. In other words, until we know who we are in Christ... According to God's word, we're not going to know how to live out our faith. We're not going to know what to do in our lives. And so this is very important for us today. Now, um, Christmas is just around the corner. It's coming very quickly. Matter of fact, yesterday afternoon, uh, Cassidy and I spent some time putting up some decorations. On, uh, I didn't realize uh, the the neighborhood that I moved into, uh, man, they, they go crazy over decorations, okay? And so I was feeling bad because a lot of those people know I'm a pastor, and they're kind of like, you know, does he not like Christmas? And so I feel like I had to get some decorations out. And so yesterday, we spent some time doing that. And I don't know about you, but uh, for me, uh, thinking back about Christmas, for most people, I think when they think of Christmas, they have these these really, you know, I mean, these good feelings, these good thoughts about Christmas. I can remember uh, making Christmas cookies with my mom and, and getting to eat those Christmas cookies. And uh, I remember going to Grandma's house. My dad had not, 11 brothers and sisters, and Grandma lived on a farm in a, in a two-bedroom home and had a chicken house and a cow barn and these fields, and, and we'd shoot skeet. And just, it was an incredible time, even growing up as a kid. I remember those, have all those memories, memories of the gifts that I was given. Matter of fact, I want you to check this out. I have a picture up here. Um, if you can see, that's me when I was five years old. Thank you, right? I got my new holster, my guns, my cowboy hat. Love to play cowboys and Indians. I was cute back then. I'm not sure what happened, but um, that was me then. Now, I've got to be honest, though. I've got to say, not all memories for me growing up around Christmas were good. Because when I was nine, I gave my heart to the Lord. That was a good thing. But when, after I gave my heart to the Lord at church that year, they asked me to be in the Christmas play. And so they gave me this part in the Christmas play, this big part. I had, I had my own lines that I had to memorize, right? And I, we worked on it. We rehearsed. We did all of these things, right? And I can remember that big moment when I stepped to the front of the stage. There I was. The spotlight hit Joe, right? Little Joey at that time. It hit me. And I froze. Stage fright, 101. I mean, there I was, nine years old. My knees were shaking. I couldn't remember a thing. I didn't even know where I was. It was a boom, blank. Scared to death. Anybody ever been there before, right? And so for me, maybe like, uh, like me, you know, you have those memories, those thoughts of childhood and other things, other times in your life, and, and they're just not great memories. And I, I want to be, be very, very um, kind of open about something. I, I have struggled and dealt with in my life with a lot of insecurities, 
about just not feeling good enough or living up to expectations or not being able to perform well enough, remember my lines or, you know, to hit it when the spotlight is on me and and speaking in public, even in Bible college, having a speech class, I had to confront and deal with all of those thoughts of when I was nine and I blew it, you know, I had my chance, my chance in the spotlight and I just, I failed. And so for some of you here this morning, you may have come in and you may be struggling with those thoughts of, you know, I wish my life was different. I wish I was better. Uh, I just, I feel like a failure in these areas. And for some of you, you may be here this morning and just thinking, you know what, things are a mess in my life. I messed up and things aren't right. And I want to be real honest with you right now. That's true. You are a mess. You're messed up. I mean, honestly, check this out. Point number one, you can write this in. We're going to look at this. Without Christ, I want you to get this. Without Christ in your life, you are a mess. Something is wrong with you, okay? Without Christ, something is wrong with you. And it's a lot. In fact, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to summarize this for you very quickly. In Ephesians chapter 2, there are three things that I want you to get out of this passage very quickly here. First of all is this. You're sinful. The second thing that Paul's going to tell us in Ephesians 2 is you're spiritually dead. And the third thing is that uh, without Christ, you are an object of God's wrath. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us we're sinful, we're spiritually dead, and without Christ, we're an object of God's wrath. If you're new to Kirby Church, welcome. We're really glad you're here. Uh, You know, I, I understand, I get that. Those statements and what I've just summarized from Ephesians chapter 2 may not... It's not a feel-good thing, right? I mean, it's like we, we, we often feel like to go to church and, and to hear a pastor that, that we're supposed to be built up and hear how much God loves us and all those things. And he does. God loves us. God wants to bless us. But guys, i got to be truthful here this morning in sharing with you the, the true word of God. And the fact is that without Christ, you and I are an object of God's wrath. There's a lot wrong with us. Without Christ. And you've got to know that. You've got to understand that. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 2. Let's just let God's word speak for itself. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 2. He says, once you were dead. This doesn't mean you were beside the road somewhere laying in a ditch. It means you were spiritually dead. Once you were dead because of what? Of your disobedience and your many sins. And then look in verse 3. He says, by our very nature... In other words, you were born with a sin nature. Guys, you don't have to teach kids how to lie. You don't have to teach kids how not to share their toys. We are all born with that sinful nature. It is there. It is within us. And he says, by our very nature, we are subject to what? To God's wrath. That's the New Living Translation. In in the New International Version, uh, it it says that uh, we're, we're subject to God's wrath. The NLT says to God's anger. And that's what it means. In verse 4, he says, but God. Now, when you see these two words, but God, when there's a lot of things going on and you see those two words, you better believe God's fixing to do something incredible. Look at what Paul says. He says, but God, what? Is so rich in mercy. Now, watch. As God does everything and we do nothing, he said, God is rich in mercy and he loved us so much That even though we were dead because of our sins, what did he do? He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. 
And Paul goes on to say that it's only by God's grace that we've been saved. That's all it is. Understand this. You've got to know this. I don't want to tiptoe through the tulips here this morning. I don't want to try to paint some pretty picture that's not there. If if you are without Christ, you are sinful. You are spiritually dead. And you are an object of God's wrath without Christ. But get this. Don't miss this. The great news here this morning is that with Christ... Instantly, your life can be changed. Everything can be made new. Everything can be different again. And that's what Paul is explaining to us. So the first thought is without Christ, without Christ, there is something wrong with you. But the second statement answers the first one. Because with Christ, you are what? You are God's masterpiece. You are the masterpiece of God himself. You are not the masterpiece of some artist, of some painting in which people walk by and go, Wow, that, that's cool, that's amazing. No, you are the masterpiece of God himself. And look at verse 8, 9, and 10. Look at what God's word said. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. This is a gift from God. Verse 9 is so important. It says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. Guys, it doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter what you've done in life. You you can't earn it. It's a free gift. So what? So that no one can boast about it. So here's the deal. Paul's going to answer it. Look at this. What's he say in verse 10? Who are you in Christ this morning? Who do you think you are? Who are you in Christ? For we are God's what? Masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. What has God done? He's created us new in Christ Jesus. Without Christ, we are sinful. We are are the object of God's wrath. But in Christ, he has created us new. He has restored us. Matter of fact, the word we often use is redeemed, and it's used several times in Scripture. That word redeemed basically means this. It means to release from blame or debt. It means to clear the account, so to speak. It means to free from the consequences of sin, to change for the better, to reform, repair, or restore. Don't you like that? All the mess-ups, all those times in the spotlight when I blew it, all the sinful nature, all the being the object of God's wrath, all of that is changed because now I am new in Christ. I have been redeemed, I have been restored, and we've got to understand that. And it's not anything that you and I have done. We can't do anything to earn it. It's only by God and by his grace. Now catch this. We are not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works. Did you catch that? We are not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works. That's what scripture's talking about here. We are never saved by anything that we've done and so that we can't boast about it. But here's the deal, guys. Christ didn't die on a cross so that you and I can just sit in a chair and enjoy church and enjoy life without serving him. We are not saved by our good works, but we are are saved to do good works. We are God's masterpiece, saved to serve the master, to live for him, to make a difference in this world for him. And we've got to understand that we've been made new, we have been redeemed, we're the masterpiece of God, the chains have fallen off. All those things that held us back, we've got to stop looking at that. We've got to stop living in the past. We've got to understand that we are his masterpiece. That's what scripture says. 
you got to stop believing the lies of what other people are telling you. you got to stop believing the lies of the devil because he loves to give you a kidney punch and kick you when you're down. you got to understand and believe that as a believer, you're redeemed. You're saved. You are changed. The old is gone. The new has come. New creations have new purposes. And part of that purpose is for you to live out serving the master. You are a masterpiece. Get this. That word masterpiece in the Greek is, is poema. And poema means this. It means it can be translated as a beautiful poem. Is that not cool? A beautiful poem. You are a beautiful poetic statement of God's glory. What God's done in your life, what God's done in my life is a beautiful poetic statement of God's glory. Stop living in the past. Stop allowing yourself to be beat down. That's who you are. That's what that means. You have been transformed. The chains have been released. You are a masterpiece. This word means perfect workmanship. In Christ, you are the perfect workmanship of God. It can also be be translated as a tapestry of all these different little pieces of a puzzle or of, of, of things that have been brought together to make this beautiful picture, this portrait in Christ. That's who you are. You're a beautiful tapestry of the glory of God. You're a beautiful poetic statement of God. You are, with Christ, redeemed. You are his child. You are new. You are a master. An amazing thing when we begin to live in that truth. When we stop living in the past and the mistakes and the things that hold us back, the chains that bind us, and we realize we're forgiven, we're new. You may have people in your life who don't believe it, and they try to remind you of the past. And guys, God's word is trying to remind you this morning of the truth, of the current, of right here and now of who you are in him, you're a new creation. You're a masterpiece. You're a a beautiful poetic statement of God's glory of grace and forgiveness. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You never could earn it. But in God's mercy and grace, he gave it to us freely through his son, Jesus Christ. And in an instant, when you accept, when you believe, your life has changed. You're never the same again. You're redeemed. Everything's been cleared. The account's settled. You're new in Christ. Now, here's what I'd like to do. I want, you to, I want you to absorb that truth, and I hope that you'll begin to live in that truth. Maybe it's something you need to remind yourself about every day. But, guys, when you get that, when you understand that, it changes things. How, how do we do that practically? How do we begin to change that in our lives? I want to give you this morning three things that I want you to take home and drive this point home in your life as a believer, okay? I want you to get this. The first one is going to be this. If you'll take out your notes, I want you to write this down. Number one, as God's masterpiece, as a believer in Christ, redeemed in the Lord, as His masterpiece, as His poetic statement of His glory, you are created for the master's purpose. You are not meant to bask in the glory of God and the forgiveness of your sins and never make an impact in this world. You're not meant to just take up a chair on Sunday mornings, guys. God has created you for the master's purpose. Look at Psalm 139, verse 13. This is powerful. This is David. And look at how this correlates with what Paul taught us in Ephesians. David says this. He says, God, for you created my inmost being. 
Guys, God created your inmost being. He knows everything about you. David says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. That's powerful. And then he's going to break out into this worshipful moment. He says, I praise you, God, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Think about how that truth can change people's lives when they understand and realize they're not just a mistake, but they're created in God's image. God created you. And I know full well, David says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together. Look at the imagery of the tapestry that's taken place here. He says, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. Now look at how powerful this. All the days ordained for me. All the days that you're going to live. David says, all the days that I'm going to live. That you chose God, my creator God, for me to live in existence on this earth. Were written in your book before one of them came to be. Here's the powerful truth you need to understand and realize. Whether you're 10, 15, 20, you live to be 60 or 80 years in this world. This notch of time that God has blessed you with, that he has given you with, he has ordained for you to live in this time because of your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your potential in the kingdom of God as you live as his masterpiece to impact other people's lives. God's got a purpose and a plan for your life. He wants to use you to make a difference in this world. You are a masterpiece of God. Created to serve the master's purpose. Now the problem with a lot of people is they don't believe they're a masterpiece. They don't think they have any potential. They don't don't think they could ever achieve anything. They live in the past of the failure in front of the spotlight or whatever it might be. Listen, when you don't understand the purpose of a thing, all you can do is abuse the thing. Did you get that? When you don't understand the purpose of something, all you can do is abuse that's something. It's sort of like this. If someone was to give you a set of nice craftsman screwdrivers for Christmas and you don't understand the purpose of a screwdriver, so you take it and you begin to use it as a hammer or you use it as a pry bar, before long, after abusing that specific tool, it's not going to look the same anymore. It's going to be beat up. It's going to be bent up. It's not going to be much good anymore. It's going to be messed up, right? Until you know and understand the purpose of something, you can't All you're going to do is abuse that thing. Get this, guys. Life without purpose is time without meaning. Life without purpose is time without meaning. If you don't know God's purpose for your life, it's like living time without meaning. Everyone's got a purpose. God has got a purpose. You fit into the master's purposeful plan. Guys, we're all different. None of us are the same. Would you look to the person next to you and say, I'm glad I'm not like you. Would you do that? You're just being honest, right? You're being truthful. God created you different. He created all of us different. Now listen, I want you to get this. Don't miss this. I love this about McKenna McCroskey, a young lady who's a college student who has a lot of gifts, but most importantly has a passion for Jesus. One of the things that God's blessed her with is this incredible talent to take great pictures she loves photography. You know, for me, I, I'm doing good if I get you in the, in the picture, you know, that type of thing. It's not blurry. But for her, she's very gifted, and she understands and gets the fact that she's a part of the master's plan and that you are a masterpiece 
Even though the world likes to tell, especially our young ladies, if you don't look a certain way, you're not worth anything. I don't know if you know that that's out there, but it's out there. McKenna gets it. And so God began to lay on her heart, P45, this ministry from Psalm 45 to impact young ladies' lives. And so she set up a photo session for fifth and sixth graders in which she could take their picture and she could share with them the truth of Psalm 45 and just help them understand that they are a beautiful creation in God's eyes. Isn't that incredible? And check out this photo shoot of what she's done, you know, and and how, isn't that something? I just love that. Guys, listen, that may not be your thing. It's okay. But God has given you something. And until you know what God has meant for you to do, all you're going to do is abuse it. And so many people go through their life abusing what God has created to be used for his glory. And they think the next relationship is going to bring them uh, uh, satisfaction. They think maybe the next drink or the next pill or the next meal or the next who knows what is going to bring them satisfaction in life. And they're missing it because they haven't found God's purpose. Guys, listen, we get that as a church. And at Kirby Church, we want to make sure that you know that you're growing as a disciple, that you know that God loves you, that you're a part of the master's plan, that you are his masterpiece. We're developing, I'm very excited about this, starting in January, something called Growth Track. And part of Growth Track, it's going to be a four-week session. They're about an hour, hour and a half a, a session. They're going to take place on Sunday afternoons. I'm going to challenge all of you to go through this. And in particular, it's going to help you understand how to grow in your relationship with Christ. And when you get to the third session, guys, we're going to do a spiritual inventory of the giftedness that God's given you, of your personality, your past experiences, your traits, and we're going to help you understand where God can use you in the kingdom, where your fit is where you were made to serve. Because, guys, when you find your purpose, an incredible thing begins to happen. But life without purpose is life or time without meaning, and none of us want to be there. Here's the second thing. I want you to get this. You have everything you need to do everything God wants you to do. In 2 Peter 1, verse 3, it says, God's divine power has given us everything we need Everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. It's through our knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. God has given you everything you need to do everything God wants you to do. God never said, Pastor Don, I want you to, to lead worship. I want you to follow me. I want you to do these things. And then Don steps up and God goes, oops, sorry, made a mistake. He never does that to you. God never does that. When God calls you, he's given you everything you need to do everything God wants you to do. And here's the thing. A lot of people, though, they have masterpiece envy. They see certain people doing certain things, and they think, oh, I'd love to do that. And God didn't equip them to do that. You've got to find your place. You've got to find how God has equipped you and understand that, okay? And, and when you get that, you're, it's going to be an incredible thing. Now listen, I, I'll be real honest about this. When, when my kids were little, I sang to them all the time. But there came a point in their lives where they said, Dad, that's not good, you know? They were just honest with me. I cannot do what Pastor Don does. I just can't. I, you know, honestly, there are times I hate it. I wished I could. I'd love to be able to sing on a praise team. Don't ask me. I can't do it. Okay, that's not me. And when we stop looking at the things, the gifts that we don't have, and we look at the gifts that God has given us, ooh, look out. Because God can use us to do incredible things, to make an impact in his kingdom. Guys, we've got to find that place. You've got to understand God's given you everything you need to do what he's calling you to do. And the third thing is this, and this is so life-changing. I don't like it, 
But this is so true. God uses everything in your life to bring about His purpose. Everything in your life to bring about His purpose. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, We know that in all things, good things? Yes. Bad things? Yes. We don't like it, but in all things, what? God works together for good. For everyone? No. For those that love Him and according to His purpose. This week uh, marked one year since my dad passed away. You know, it's, I, I, Dad was my best friend. And I watched Dad suffer and, 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 and die the last, very quickly, a few months just from, from lung cancer. And it was a, a horrific experience for me. Uh, when, I was, when I was much younger as a youth pastor, my 19-year-old sister was killed in a car accident. And, and all of us have stories. We have those experiences, those times in our life that we wished we'd never had to walk through. We wished we'd never had to live. Sometimes there are things that I've brought on myself by my own stupid decisions. Sometimes it's things completely out of my control. But the truth is, guys, listen. We are all simply clay in the modeler's hands. And God is molding us. And we can't lose sight of the fact that God is going to use even the bad things that come in our life, even the difficulties that we face for His good and His glory for those who love Him and serve Him. Don't lose sight of that. Guys, listen, if you're here this morning and you're struggling, you know you're, the, uh, you're part of the masterpiece of God, you're created for the Master's purpose, but you don't like who you are here this morning. Listen, write this down. The last point is this. Let God remake you. He's the molder. We're the clay. Let him remold you. Think about it. Watch this video. You must find beauty in what doesn't seem beautiful. You took a lump of clay, gave it a name and called it human. Blue breath from your eternally deep lungs, depositing spirit into wombs and souls. You made us whole from the first breath we breathed. The first time we opened our eyes, you were all we could see. But we wanted to discover if you were enough. So we took a sip of sin's bitter cup. We gave up eternal lives for the quick taste of a cheap lie. But you've been pursuing us since in the beginning. You made all the first moves, took all the first steps. You knew the only thing that stood between us and you was death. So you volunteered yourself to take the place of harm's way. You became the great exchange of pain for peace, healing for stripes, death for life. You were the only one who could make things right. And we may have counted the cost, but you paid the price. You put your word on our hearts. You put your name on our lips. And even after we sing all the songs we've heard, we're left with silence. And all you've done and who you've been to us, we're left with all of who you are. And all of who you are is just too much for us. It amazes us that a God who could so easily overtake us, takes us, breaks us, and makes us more like him. Because every day you chisel our character, changing the picture of our lives by the brushstroke. You want us to be 
your masterpiece. You want us to be the master's piece. You are the only one who gives everlasting peace. So we lay down all selfishness, all agendas, all affections. We come to bring a sacrifice. We come in the name of the one who gave his life and we want to follow him, which means we take up heavy crosses, which means we take sips of the bitter cup of denying self and we cry out to you because we want you to hear this humble generation seeking your face and turning from wicked ways because we need you to heal our land. We need you to have the hearts of our kings in your hand. We want you to scatter us like seed that every soul in this world would know your eternity.